Now more than ever, it's so important that we foster and develop emotional intelligence. But did you know that needs are closely linked to emotions? And that when we know our needs and the more we fulfill them, the calmer and happier we are? Hashtag 52 Needs is a podcast that provides insights into how we can all make this happen. My name is Angela Heiser. I'm a professional coach and facilitator. And each week a guest joins me to discuss a different human need and how we can all improve and foster our emotional intelligence. Welcome to another episode of Hashtag 52 Needs. And this week we are exploring belonging. And I'm very, very delighted to have with me my friend, Dr. Ian Butterworth, who is the founder of Ian Butterworth and Associates, a specialist healthy cities and livability consultancy. Ian is trained in community psychology and provides an interface between policymakers, um, researchers, and citizens. He has 30 years experience in bringing together community and organizational development government policy and planning, workforce training and development, and applied research. Throughout his career, Ian has worked in state government, local government and universities, NGOs, as well as private practice. Ian was a Fulbright Scholar in 2003 and 2017 and has expertise in the WHO Healthy Cities Program and the UN Global Compact Cities Program. And privately, he loves gardening, music and making boiled bagels. Welcome, Ian. Hi, Angela. Okay, so let's talk about belonging at work. Is that actually something that goes together in one sentence? Oh, uh, yes, it is. Um, although I think the fact we need to ask that question says something about our relationship with this notion of work in this late capitalist stage of Western civilization. Well, we have um, a pandemic at the moment on top of everything else, you know, so yeah. people work from home. It's kind of challenging to create a sense of belonging. It is. And, um, you know, it's coincided with my midlife crisis and also establishing my own practice. So talk about the stars lining up or the stars colliding or something. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, in my own life, I've been driven so much by this search for meaning and identity in the work that I do. Um, it's been a very strong need. And I, I know that over the different times in my life, people have been a bit surprised about that. And maybe it's a very male thing. I don't know. Um, but I think, Definitely. you know, you know, when you meet people and they, they, their work provides them with so much meaning and identity and uh, satisfaction yeah. and pride. Um, I, think those, I think that's rare now for people to have that opportunity to have that. Um, I'm thinking of artisans and craftspeople and wood carvers and um, farmers even and uh, agriculture, people that grow beautiful plants or make beautiful food. I, clearly there's a lot of that that still goes on. Mm. But you know, the whole the Karl Marx and all of this, the sociologists of that era that were reacting against uh, the alienation of the workplace, the industrial world back in the 1800s, uh, were talking about the alienation that we go to work and do work that alienates us from ourselves and from our communities uh, has no meaning attached to it. And then we go home and we tune into alienating leisure or we go and eat some alienating fast food somewhere. Um, 
I think, you know, the, the search for meaning, identity and belonging is huge and I think it's a very deep human need. And I think maybe what COVID's teaching us is that maybe, it, I don't know, for many of us, it's hard. To, I think we're getting tired of trying to expect that we find that in our jobs. Um, ironically, a lot of the COVID spread in Victoria was from economically disadvantaged people living very precarious lives who were working as privatised security guards in these uh, privatised um, hotels that were supposed to be providing, you know, privatised... Uh, I'm trying to... I'm sorry, I'm struggling to find the word. Um, people, keeping people locked away from the community because of the pandemic. Quarantine. I know there's a word for... Quarantine. Thank you. You know, a lot of that was spread by people that were doing that during the day and then going off and delivering Uber at night, uh, Uber Eats at, at night. Like, yeah. I can't, and very little meaning in their lives, but economically just having no opportunity but to keep working. Okay. Um, um, all right. Since we're talking about belonging, <laughs> let's get back to belonging because, I look, meaning and belonging are totally linked because when people have meaning at work and they have a sense of belonging, people thrive. But can we belong as well um, in a place where we don't necessarily are physically in the same place? Because mm. there are studies that have said that when people have a really strong sense of belonging at work, they are, and this, this is the study, um, they are likely to be six, time more, six times more likely to bring their best selves to work and do, their, do better work. So wow. yeah, purpose will, will definitely be part of that as well. But it's the it's that emotional connection that we have, you know? Mm. So yes, your, your guards, they will, you know, the security guards won't have that emotional connection to their work. They're doing it strictly for survival. Unless, you know, maybe, maybe they, they like providing safety and security. But that sense of belonging to of working with people towards a common goal. Do we yes. still have that? And I, as I'm saying this, I'm now reflecting on if they, if those quarantine hotels had, had delivered really great training and the culture was one of creating a team and a community of practice of those privatised security guards, then there may have been much more of a sense of belonging, especially if those people's roles in, um, in protecting the community from the spread of COVID were maybe more strongly reinforced and they were you know their value uh as people delivering a very very important service to the wider community had been celebrated and respected more yeah that's where the belonging comes in yeah, but, but we don't really pay attention to that i mean there's a a lot of the times when 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 i get asked to do trainings it's all about increasing efficiency belonging or a sense of community doesn't really feature in and i was just talking actually to somebody who asked me that they, they said I've been asked to facilitate something and there's no there's no trust because we're all in different parts of the world and I said have you actually done anything that had nothing to do with the task itself like where you just got together and got to know each other and she said no everything okay. is always task focused and you know we don't have time for that we get together in zoom meetings and we do our work and then we then we disband so to create a sense of belonging you actually need to you need to do far more than doing great work together. Great work actually happens when you've got that sense of belonging and that sense of connection. 
It's a very good point. And uh, you're reminding me of all the peer education work that I was doing and leading um, in the 80s and through into the 90s. Uh, I was involved in some of the very early HIV education uh, for gay and bisexual men. And the, the work that was done to create the belonging and the trust at the start of those peer education programs was enormous. Uh, and as adults, we learn best when we learn from people that we identify as peers, whose opinions uh, and respect we um, value. Uh, and there's nothing to say that a Zoom meeting, even with people around the world, couldn't build in some of oh. that icebreaker stuff at the start. Absolutely. And, and the opportunity to maybe break out and have some more, you know, some more in-depth conversation. Like when I suggest to people, go and make some lunch dates with people, but I don't work with them directly. Yeah, but you you have a connection that you ask, you sit in meetings all the time. So why wouldn't you want to get to know that person? I don't have time for that. Well, do you have time when problems arise to actually deal with them in that way that, you know, it creates even more problems than if you had said to somebody, hey, you know me, we've connected before. No, shouldn't, we should be able to sort this out, right? I remember the notion of communities of practice um, being a driver in the world of work maybe 10, 20 years ago. The notion that, you know, you, you brought a, you created a community of people that were working on a shared goal um, with a shared sense of purpose uh, and shared drivers. In many ways, it's what this notion of collective impact is all about. It's mm -hmm. quite a strong driver now in community yeah. development. Yeah. But a sense of belonging is core to that. Um, and it's actually not that hard to create, I think, if you actually build the time at the start to create the relationships uh, and the reciprocity uh, and the shared meaning and the shared symbols of belonging and a common sense of achievement. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. Well, it depends, um, I think, on this. Personally, I think it also depends on the size of the, of the company and the organisation and your expectations. I mean, I know that... Um, the anthropologist Robin Dunbar came up with a number quite a few years ago, I can't remember when, and he said that the size of a tribe used to be about 150 people. After that, it would split. Mm -hmm. well, the conclusion he drew was that we can have about 150 meaningful relationships in our lives where we have cognitive focus on being able to recall what we've talked about, have some sort of part in life. But we work in organizations with thousands of people and at the same time, now we have startups with really small groups where there's lots of passion, lots of purpose and lots of meaning, as you said, and people really working together. And but that sometimes is not enough. So that I, look, as we're just talking, I'm just, you know, Riffing. Just, That's I'm, all right. I'm just wondering if the whole co-working space is not a response to finding the middle ground between solopreneurs like me who work from home alone. Or have a virtual and have a virtual team, and the big companies that are so anonymous that you don't really get to meet anybody, unless you make a con you like a really conscious effort. So you are in an environment. I mean, co-working spaces are not that big, and I'm wondering if they're all around 150 people, because you can create a community in there. I'm just yes, you can. I'm just wondering. I have a fresh uh, experience of that. Just the other day, I went to visit a friend. She. Um, she left the corporate world and she established a co-working space in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And what's, what she's noticed is, 
and I don't know whether COVID's brought this on, but there's been a strong demand for people having more privatised work environments within that co-working space. So she's actually been creating some small sealed off office spaces mm -hmm. because pe some people are finding the co-working environment actually quite distracting. It's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. the open plan work environments that were meant to solve all of our ills and create a sense of belonging actually created this cacophony of sound and interruption. Yeah. And co-working space is sort of meant to be a place to provide a third place where solopreneurs, as you call us, um, can meet and share stuff. But I think maybe with COVID, it's, they've become repurposed as a place where people can get away from the noise and interruptions at home. So it's actually become a place yeah. where people want to work uninterrupted. Yes. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the pendulum swings back and forth, right? It's too much, then it's not enough, now it's too much again. So hopefully we'll get somewhere where we can identify what our needs are around, because last week was solitude. So the need between, you know, that sense of belonging and being in community and then have that need for solitude to be able to get to, to tune out that cacophony of voices, you know, to be able to focus on the self and, and being able to hear yourself think. I know that yes. I do that. So, um, yeah. I used a co-working space at one point, but I found I was working next to some guy that was running a social enterprise, very important work, but he had no concept of how loud, loud and intrusive his voice was. Yeah. Um, so I swapped that for the sound of the dishwasher and the washing machine again. <laughs> I went back to work at home. <laughs> yeah, it's finding, again, it's finding the middle ground. It's finding... You know what works um i mean i that's why a lot of people have this sense of you know a few days at work a few days at home um and and again that sense of belonging is really important people go back into the office because there's a culture and i just actually participated in a uh, in a poll to find out what was most important you know to when when people went for a job and it turned out it wasn't it wasn't the perks or anything it was the culture People wanted a healthy workplace culture. And that is that sense of belonging, you know, where, where you get that, I'm not just going here for work. I'm going here because I can connect and I can be my authentic self. That's when people really, really thrive. It's funny because uh, my earlier riff, I was talking about alienation at the workplace. And I, I do think having work that's meaningful is really, really important. But even if it's not that meaningful, I think having a culture that creates meaning and where there's a sense of camaraderie and uh, the management structure acknowledges that maybe the work's a bit tedious, but they create opportunities for doing different types of work at different times during the week or having some sort of diversity of experience, but also having a team camaraderie where uh, it can make up for some of the mundanity in the actual tasks, yeah. I think is really important. Yeah, it's... Um, it's the ability to create experiences, as you said, that are memorable, you know, not where you go in and you just do the same thing every day and there's no meaning behind it, but you go in and you've got that sense of community and that sense of connection, and then it doesn't matter. I mean, we spend uh, the traditional way of, well, the, the industrial world's way of working is, you know, eight hours a week minimum, um, and that's a huge amount of our waking time that we spend with, with people that otherwise we'd never spend our time with. Um, so I think creating 
meaning and a place to belong is very, very important. Mm. Um, and if we do it well, we can take some of those relationships with us throughout our lives. I mean, I'm still yeah. friends with people that I worked with 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, but that's because those people really went out of their way to create a respectful culture and um, shared something of themselves with me. Yeah. Created a culture where we could do that. It was respectful and collegiate, but also allowed us to bring our other parts of our lives into that workplace somehow. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I generally say it's not about, you don't have to take home people home for the, for the barbecue on the weekend to create that sense of belonging and to build trust. But it's about sharing something of yourself that goes beyond the task execution, that goes beyond, um, you know, you didn't do this or you did this and, and maybe saying thank you. It's the ability to actually say, we're human beings, we have emotions. We want to have interactions with each other that go beyond the, as I just said, the task execution. But that, and, and as you said, that, that create meaning. We're going back to meaning. Sorry, I interrupted you about meaning before, but um, you know, like I just thought, what meaning? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Meaning is totally connected to this. You can't really separate the two, can you? No, and I look, the reason, I think the reason I ultimately left working in government was I, I just couldn't handle any more machine, what's called machinery of government changes and rebranding and mm. restructuring and sort of being forced to go along to these new organisations organizational structures and do the team building and do their visioning and do this and that and there was a, there was a sense of meaning lacking from it because it felt like window dressing that was more about branding yeah. rather than actually dealing with the deep social issues that were supposedly driving this work yeah. you know yeah um and i witnessed a certain amount of alienation in those in those bureaucratic environments. And I think the notion that people would have a job for life where they could invest the meaning in their role in a, in a government bureaucracy as experts and as people that really cared about that, like those people are still there. But I think there's a lot of people just hanging in there by the skin of their, you know, by their fingernails in some ways. Um, and man somehow managing to withstand the endless restructuring and changes of policy and I mean American government organizations at least keep their names forever there's a housing and urban development department in the US that's been there for 60 years how many of Australia's bureaucracies keep their names for five years or more um I mean I know that sounds superficial and maybe a bit churlish but for me it's that continuity that allows people to mm create that belonging is at least you can say I, I belong to this organization but you know changing names is one thing but you know people people change companies all the time at the moment there is no continuity so whether they whether the company has a name for one or two years yeah that's great if they keep that but the gig economy you know where people move from job to job to job is getting worse and worse because people don't create that sense of belonging anymore and they don't find meaning and they don't have purpose so they move to the next thing. And when you've got a transient community that changes all the time and you don't create that team and you don't create that structure that structure that holds a team together, then you can't really develop a sense of belonging. 
So what does it's that really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting what you say. Um, I read recently this notion of ghosting, right? I, last year I applied for a lot of mainstream jobs during COVID as some sort of, you know, life raft experience for myself. And I, I would get these automated responses, even from international NGOs that were anchored very deeply in a social purpose, you know. You, you go onto their website and it's all about meaning and solving some of life's most wicked problems. But then when you went for a job with them, you'd get this automated thing back saying, if you haven't heard from us within three weeks, you must assume that you haven't been successful. Yeah. The social contract, even for applying with these NGOs that were all about the social contract, it, it had gone. Yeah. And what's happening in America now is the ghosting is happening two ways. Young folks who have grown up in this dislocated environment of being treated like objects uh, in the gig economy are simply not turning up to work anymore. They just disappear. Um, they don't turn up for work. They don't respond to their emails afterwards. They don't answer their phone and they ghost their employer. Yeah. And it's almost like the flip side of, of being treated as a as an item as a thing as a unit of work. Yeah. Uh, I I was really surprised when I read that. I had never expected that to happen. But in some ways, I kind of kind of uh, kind of approve it in a way. I'm not approve it, but I can understand it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 There's no. I mean, we've we've talked about this before. When when you have a sense of people, in order to build a sense of belonging, there has to be some reciprocity. There has to be that sense that. I'm giving something and you're giving something back. We've talked, we've talked about neighborhoods, you know, how important it is to have a neighbor who actually interacts with you, even if it's just, it, it's not living in each other's pockets, but it's the sense of support. And when, when, you, when, when the sense is that, the, or the expectation is that the person has to give at work and give and give and give, but there's not that much coming back, or again, I mean, it depends on the expectations in general. But when the expectations are so far apart that there's no coming together and that sense of belonging never develops, then why stay around? There's no need. So I'm, I'm really curious with everything that we've got happening at the moment, you know, working from home, connecting on Zoom, but only, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've met somebody who runs two Zoom meetings at the same time. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, let's not go there, but that sense of, we're not really connecting as people anymore and people don't really know how to create that environment where people have that sense of belonging because everything is just so task focused there's no tailored communication it's just all generalized um information gets passed on through through um what's it called slack channels or other you know apps there's no personal communication anymore i wonder where we're heading I've participated in some really great meetings uh, in the last couple of weeks, actually. I, the United Nations Association of Australia held uh, a forum last week or the week before around the, the Sustainable Development Goals. And what I loved about it was everyone who participated, uh, I, I helped to chair, um, to facilitate a couple of breakout meetings, and we all shared where we were coming from, where yeah. we were based in yeah. terms of Aboriginal nations. So I was able to say I'm, 
I'm speaking to you from Jajawurum country in central Victoria. And I, I love that because A, it anchors us to place in a way that First Nations people have never forgotten. Yes. And B, it acknowledged and celebrated the Indigenous, uh, ongoing Indigenous uh, nationhood of Australia. But it also helped us to start relating to each other in slightly different ways as Western people um, by bringing the place and the, and the, by bringing place and belonging at a geographical level into these Zoom meetings. I, I, I was impressed and I found it really heartwarming. Mm. Um, that sounds so maybe, maybe that is a way to, to sort of bring the, the community of belonging to place into these Zoom meetings by even sharing stories about where we're from. Yeah. Again, do we want to share personal information? We share, you know, we share all sorts of stuff on social media and LinkedIn and, you know, and, and but we don't necessarily talk to people about what really matters. So we, I think mm. we, we may have to redefine what belonging means in the 21st century. That, that would be yeah. my conclusion. <laughs> that's a good, that's a very good question and a very, it's a very interesting statement. There's so much embedded in that. Um, we could talk for hours about what that might actually oh, mean. Because community, places, you know, villages, I mean, like all of these things have changed meaning in the last 50 years completely. As you said, we can talk about this for hours. Um, let's do that at another point. Um, and thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I look forward to seeing you soon and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Angel. You've been listening to Hashtag 52 Needs with me, Angela Heise. These podcasts are not created to provide answers, but to invite you to explore your own needs and discover what works for you. Find out more about my coaching and emotional intelligence programs by following Into Possibilities on Instagram at AngelaHeise.com and at my YouTube channel. And I'd love it if you shared this podcast with your friends, work colleagues and family. And I'll see you next time.